How many grateful people are here today? Just solemnly wave your hands to God and say thank you, Jesus. One more time, say thank you, Jesus. Whisper it again, say thank you, Jesus.
When we are not faithful, He remains faithful. Father, we give you the praise. Our heart is full of thanksgiving. We are here to say thank you. We have no complaints. We thank you. Everybody, come on, declare from my heart to you, Lord God. From my heart, I am grateful Come on, for the very last time. Everybody, declare from my heart. is the Executive Director of Christian Couples Fellowship International Incorporated. Pastor Femi Awodele is the Executive Director of Christian Couples Fellowship International Incorporated. Pastor Femi Awodele is the Executive Director of Christian Couples Fellowship International Incorporated. Christian Couples Fellowship International Incorporated. Amen. Okay, don't worry. You know the... You know what? Let's give a hand to the crew there at the back there. They are doing a lot of work. My second son is in school for graduate school studying communication. So I know a lot of the work they're doing there. So it's a lot. So I know these things. You plan on it and then it, it gives way on you. Uh, good morning, church. Good morning. I know. Okay, I'll introduce myself. I usually don't, but... Uh, <laughs> Since that didn't work, I, my name is Femi Awodeli. Uh, I am not new to Heaven's Glorious Embassy. Okay, some of you have known for some time. Uh, I've been coming here a long time, I think. Uh, I want to thank Pastor John and Dr. Ibi. Thank you very much uh, for your heart to take care of the church. I am married to a woman, just one. Uh, <laughs> 
And uh, depending on the day you ask me, I can, I'll tell you sometimes I have two kids, sometimes I have three. Uh, I do have three. Uh, we adopted one, stayed in our home for eight years, and then chose to leave, but she's still in touch with me. Uh, I always tell her, you're my prodigal, you're going to come home someday. Uh, yes, uh, by God's grace, I have been speaking. He called me out of corporate to speak 22, 22 years ago. I've been doing this a long time now, uh, and uh, God has opened tremendous doors for me, uh, way, way, way beyond my own imagination. Uh, so for this weekend, we have been, uh, we, we have been uh, uh, talking on marriage. Uh, and Friday night, uh, there was a gentleman that came to me yesterday that really gladdened my heart, uh, really gave me uh, that, Lord, I thank you. Uh, <clears throat> and I think that young man should come and talk to Pastor too. And he told me that after Friday night, he and his wife went home based on the information uh, that uh, uh, was shared, that he, was, he and his wife were able to communicate he had enough tool to share what was on his heart, better communicate. So I, I, that really, really encouraged me. Uh, yes, amen. Uh, I have always believed that the biggest miracle uh, uh, is when the word of God comes alive to you, when it comes alive and you, it becomes easy to apply. So to God be the glory for that. Uh, this morning we will be doing... Uh, uh, a short exposition. I noticed that today is Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I, I look like I'm appropriately dressed. <laughs> I am uh, part of a uh, church plant. I, I attend uh, AG and, uh, and uh, I don't get to dress like this. I don't get to have what you guys did this morning. So I'm enjoying every minute of it. Uh, maybe I'll tune in on YouTube sometime just to dance. <laughs> I, I know your pastor is also a music person, so I, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, this morning, we will be talking on unconditional love. Unconditional love, an exposition, really, on love. And um, if you can, I don't know if I told you to do this, but I will read it, First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Apostle John is one of the, uh, was the last of the apostles uh, to be killed, to be martyred. That's the word they use. And uh, he was banished to an island called Patmos. And um, uh, that island is a real good island. Now, I wish somebody would banish me to that island today. But not in the days of, uh, of John. Uh, so he wrote this. John wrote a lot about love. And here uh, is what he wrote in chapter 4 of 1 John, verses 7 to 11. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, love, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Wherever or whoever does not know God, because whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Their friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love 
one another. Father, we thank you for your word because it is true and it is life. Lord, as this feeble human bring information, I pray God the Holy Spirit bring revelation to your people. And I pray that our lives, including mine, will never be the same again. Lord, thank you also for those who are watching online. I pray that uh, because of this technology, Lord, your spirit will manifest wherever they are as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, love is one of those words that has been redefined in our generation. Uh, A couple of years ago, I asked some, some of some people, I gave them camera to go downtown Omaha uh, to ask, this was about 15, 20 years ago, to ask people how to define love. And uh, it, it, it met what I expected. Many of them said, oh, love is how I feel. You know, when you meet somebody, your, your, your stomach churns and or your, the, your, the hair on your hand stands up. Basically, the world believes that love is what you feel. Uh, and love also, the, today we define love as an indulgence. So if you love somebody, you let them be who they are. Okay? That is what the world thinks love is. So you love me, you let me be whatever or whoever I think I am. If you uh, love is, uh, goes up and down. Now, uh, like typical of the devil, uh, the devil has taken something and mix it with a lot of lies. A truth and mix it with a lot of lies. So emotion is not love. And my my job is to help you see it from scripture today. Uh, However, you need emotion to show love. So I, I will get to that, but I just wanted to establish what the world say love is and what the Bible says love is. So in the Bible, uh, the New Testament is uh, originally written in Greek because at that time the Greek language was dominant, was dominant, and uh, a, a lot amongst other languages, uh, uh, amongst other languages, Aramaic and uh, some Latin and all of that. Uh, but a big portion of, the, of, of it was written uh, in Greek. Now, in the Greek language, the Greek language is like, for those of us who, come, who are Yoruba, I am Yoruba, uh, our language is similar in the sense that it is descriptive. It is descriptive. So when we name something in Yoruba, just like the Greek people, it is not so much a name that is out there, it is a descriptive name. I, I just did a naming ceremony, and I was explaining to the audience that are predominantly uh, white Americans that in our culture, the way you give names is because of the circumstances of birth. So you don't just take mommy's name and daddy's name and mix it up a little bit and throw it up in the air, and whatever you catch is the name. No, you, there has to be a meaning, and usually your name says something. Your name says something. My name is Olua Femi, and if you ask my mother, she can write a book on how she named me that Olua Femi. Somebody understand what I'm saying? The same thing, so in the Greek language, they have four words for love. They have four words. Three is in the Bible, one is not, but generally they have four. 
The first one is the one many of us know. I have even written a book on this. It's called Agape or Agapao. Agape is the Greek word that basically means I love you in spite of you. That is what we call unconditional. So if a Greek person wants to tell another person that I love you unconditionally, the word he will use is agape. The second Greek word is phileo or phylos. Phileo is I love you, but but we condition. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. You don't scratch my back, I don't love you that much. <laughs> I love you to the extent that you love me. The third one that is in the Bible is stoge, S-T-O-R-G-E. Stoge, or sometimes you see it in the Greek Bible as astogos. It means when they are saying, I love my car, I love my family, I love a group, they use the word stoge. Stoge. The last one, which is not in the Bible, but we know it's a Greek word, it's actually a very popular Greek word, is eros. Oh, see, you and I all know it already. Pastor has been been teaching you. It's eros. Eros is, so I can say to you, as Heaven's Glorious Embassy, agape. Phileo, stoge, but I cannot say to you, eros. There's only one person in this world that I can say eros to. Eh? If I get home tonight, I'll say baby, baby, there's eros tonight. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? So that is it. Now, where in the Bible are these used together? So in John 21, Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, I love you. And three times, and the third time, Peter got angry at Jesus and said, you know I love you. If you read that in the Greek Bible, it's actually different. Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, I... No, he didn't say agape. I phileo you. I phileo you. And then Jesus said, do you agape me? He said, Lord, I phileo you. Why, did, why couldn't he say, I agape? Because he denied Jesus three times. He didn't feel he loved Jesus unconditionally. He just, as a little nine-year-old kid who just said, you are with that Jesus. What are you talking about, Willis? I ain't with it. So, he said, and then Jesus finally said, okay. Do you phileo me? He said, yes, Lord, I phileo you. Now he said to him, go feed my sheep. So we know that. We know, and in the Bible, whenever you see the Bible say, especially in the New Testament, husband, love your wife. There's only one place where the wife is told to love the husband. Only one that I know. Titus, where... Paul wrote to Titus and said, teach the old, tell the old woman to teach the younger to love their husband. But there are many places in scripture, Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, where God specifically told men to love. And in each of those places, guess the Greek word that is used? Agape. Not eroso. Eh? Not phileo. 
agape. Well, so what does that mean? It means we, husband to wife, more, but definitely wife to husband, we are to love each other unconditionally. Unconditionally. So we have established that, right? Good. Now, the question then is, how do you love somebody unconditionally? In your flesh, in your own flesh, it is absolutely impossible to love anyone unconditionally. Let me repeat that. In your own flesh, it is absolutely impossible to love any person unconditionally. And in the Bible, and Jesus said a lot of, spoke a lot about this actually. Jesus told the parable of... uh, of, of the good Samaritan. The Samaritan, and then the rabbi came by, and he, he, you know, didn't do anything, and then it was the Samaritan that came to help the brother, the Jew, that was a- attacked by armed robbers. He said, that is unconditional. And then he said to them, he said, no, everybody loves their enemy. I mean, their friend. I mean, what's there not to love in a friend? But my command to you is to love your enemy. I know sometimes your wife looks like the enemy. Even your husband, you know, you wake up in the morning and you start to speak in tongues. Just to get through the day. Because you think, I was joking with the, uh, yesterday, that some of us, we think our wife is Jezebel. Tony, very early in ministry for me, maybe in the first five years, there was a man who came to me. Uh, he's African, you know, and uh, in Omaha, and he said to me, my wife does not have the spirit of Jezebel. She is... <laughs> spirit, no, spirit, no, he, she is... Uh, she is Jezebel. So sometimes it looks like that, but, but, but God says to love. So what is unconditional love? The Bible actually describes it a lot. In John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. And he said, Hey, uh, I feel sorry for you. Is that what he did? For God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave. John 17, 23, the Bible, Jesus said, Those who love me, what do, what do they do? They obey my commands. They obey my principle. So love, this is Femi's definition. And you can read it as, whatever you see love in the Bible, go read it. You will always find that the Bible's definition of love, this is my summation. So the second uh, uh, PowerPoint. To love God is to obey his written word, principles of scripture, in spite of the person or people, including yourself. With the help of God's Holy Spirit within us. That's Femi's definition. My definition is to love God. To love God. Love is obey, is obedience to God's written word in spite of the person, in spite of the people, with the help of God's Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of definition of love. Yesterday we gave the example of Jonah. And I told you that the whole book of Jonah is about God's love. 
in this case, in the book of Jonah, it's about loving people who were unlovable. It's about loving the enemy. I'll give you a quick background of that. There has always been superpowers in the world. During the time of David and Solomon, Israel was a superpower. Then when the kingdom broke, some other people took over. But, and then there was chaos in the world, and then the Assyrians started to come over. The Assyrians, their capital is Nineveh. And it was a terrible place. They were doing idol worship and all of this stuff. And guess what? Because of their idol worship, God is bound to judge them because he's a God of justice. And guess what happened? God, before he judged them, he had grace on them, and he called Jonah. He said, go preach to the people of Nineveh so that they can repent. And Jonah said, I don't think so. I don't think so. I would rather die than go preach to them. So he went, he went east or west instead of going east. He would really, really rather die, but God didn't let him die. God didn't let him die. God made him go to Nineveh. And guess what? When he got to Nineveh, this is very funny. Go read it. When he got to Nineveh, he didn't preach. He didn't say what God told him to say. God told him, tell the people to repent. When he got to Nineveh, what he said to them was, y'all crazy. Y'all gonna die. (laughs) He didn't say repent. Go read it. He didn't say repent. He just said, God has already judged you. Y'all gonna die. And then he went under the tree that God made for him in one day. To see how God is going to kill them. And then when God spared them, he was mad at God. Is somebody seeing what I'm saying? It is, God is a God of love. And because of love, he does things that is right, that is just, in spite of us. I have done jail and prison ministry for 30 years. I started in 1990 in Nigeria. And I have, I still go till today, every Thursday. And I have seen, when I was in Nigeria, I used to go to Kirikiri. For those who don't know that, that's the maximum prison in Lagos. I used to go there regularly. I was in charge of the full gospel thing there. And uh, one of the things that has amazed me in 30 years of prison ministry is the grace of God, is the love of God. Is to see murderers, multiple murderers, turn to God. Is to see people that you and I, when they come, I, I tell some of my guys, I go to a jail now, I tell them, even if I see you in public, I will run away from you. Because your tattoo from your hair to everywhere of your body is tattooed. You have drips coming like four of them. I don't want to be number five drip. I said, but because I know you, because I've come here, you know me, I know you, it's easy for me to interact with you. So, God's love, and I've told many of them, without God, you will be dead. This jail is what's saving you from, from the crib. I don't want to say what I said to them. It's, not, it's a crass language. <laughs> so, that is... The love of God. He, he loves you in spite of you. The Bible says while we were yet seen as Jesus died for us. So I hope I have convinced you so far that love is not what you feel. It is what God commands you, the principle of scripture, 
to what God commands you to do for that person. In this case, I'm hoping we're talking about your, your spouse or, or whoever that person is. Now, uh, 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 the third um, uh, PowerPoint, if you can. Love, so where does love come from? You remember I told you earlier that you cannot love without the Holy Spirit. For God, I, I, I don't believe God has a name. Okay? A lot of what we call the name of God is the attributes of God. The attributes of God. The closest way God came to telling us his name is I am that I am. What we call is what we call him by are attributes. His attributes. It's like somebody saying Femi. Instead of saying Femi, you call me the handsome one, you know? No, no. <laughs> no I, I just wanted to see if you're still up. So so that's an attribute. At least I believe it. You might not. <laughs> but but that's an attribute that I think I have. So we call God by his attributes by his nature god is love god is peace god is just god is elohim god is sabao man of war that's what sabao means if you look in the okay i'm trying to do uh, theology 504 or something now because they say, so if you look at some of the translations in the Bible, you'll see some call him Yahweh, and you'll see some call him Adonai. There's a big difference. Yahweh means the one, Adonai means master. The, the Septuagint translation cannot call God Adonai. So again, when you understand these things, you, 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 you start to understand what that is. But anyway, love is... God. God, well, no, love is not God. God is, but love is not, yeah. In our generation, we are turning love into God, but God is love. What do I mean by that? That is the nature of God. That is who he is. Because he loves us, he, he gave. He went to the cross. If you want to know what Christ did for you, Google this word. S-O-T-E-R-I-O-L-O-G-Y, soteriology, the complete work of Christ on the cross, you will see all the things that Jesus achieved for you on the cross. Salvation, redemption, justification, sanctification. Love is sourced in God. And when you become a Christian, the day you say, Jesus, I believe you, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, Paul in Romans 18, 16 says, then his spirit bear witness with your spirit. You get the Holy Spirit, you get God come live in you as a seal of your future inheritance. That's what the Bible says. So you get God Come live in you, and then you have the attribute of God. You have the attribute of love. Love is also hurtful. Love hurts a lot. When you start to love, it hurts. For those of you who don't think love hurts, Jesus went to the cross because he loves us. The Bible says he had compassion for us. The, the cross the, Was going to the cross hurtful for him? Okay, if you have read the Bible, Matthew 26, 26, you will know that he did. 
Because when he got to Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass over me. In modern language, Lord, can we go to plan B? Whatever plan B is. But he quickly said, not my will, but your will. Bible says he sweat blood. Pilate said, I, I can spare your life. Jesus looked at him and said, no, you don't. I'm giving my life. He ain't got nothing to do with you. Got nothing to do with you. I'm giving up my life. You don't understand. To love hurts. I remember when our parents used to beat us. Eh, and while they are beating us, they are saying, eh, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Eh, that might not be necessarily true, but, <laughs> but in a, a psychologically it's true because they want you to be a good kid. Hebrews 12, the Bible says, those whom he loved, he... Yeah, you are using King James on me. Eh, you can say correct. I know all of us, we grew up memorizing King James. He corrects. Those who he loves, he chastises, he corrects. A father corrects. I just did a study of, uh, of the latter prophets. Well, um, minor prophet, and then, because I'm writing a book on it. And one of the things I found out with all this prophet is when you, God comes and say, what these people are doing right now is not good. I don't like it. I'm going to punish them. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sending you as a prophet to warn them. And this prophet will complain and say, God, why? What are you doing? And in many places, God will say, Okay, tell them if they don't repent, I'm going to judge them. But, but, and this is where the word uh, is used a lot, uh, the day of the Lord. You, you almost see that phrase in all of the minor prophets. The day of the Lord will come. The day and on the day of the Lord. Which means the day that God has decided he's going to judge or he's going to bring his peace. He will say, but... Whether they repent or not, whether I judge them or not, there will be the day that I will come as their savior. And that is why many of those minor prophets have a lot of the eschatological things about Jesus. Because God will always say to them, but in the end time, I will come and I will establish my kingdom. I will redeem them forever. It is because of love. Because he is a God of justice, he has to judge iniquity. But because he's a God of love, he also says, hey, hey, I'm still going to come and redeem you. That is the train of all the prophets. I'm also going to come. I'm going to come back and I'm going to redeem the house of Israel. I'm going to redeem the promise I made. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? That is love. So love hurts. It's very painful. I just told you about my adopted daughter. He hurts me. To say that he doesn't hurt me, I'm lying to you. Many times I said, in fact, when she started to rebel, I was mad at God. Because for me, when I adopted her, she was eight years old. My, the thing in my head was, she's going to go to college. You know, I'm an African guy, so she's going to go to college. And then I'm going to walk her down the aisle. For me, that was success. So when she started to rebel, she, she goes to a private school for high school. 
when she started to rebel, I was mad at her, but I was more mad at God. That God, why did you give me an assignment that I cannot finish? Why? Why? Why did you? And I believe God said to me, before she came to your house, I was her God. And when, after she leaves your house, I'm still going to be her God. You have done your assignment. I'm like, okay. Okay. The judge, because the state sued us twice on her case, twice. The state of Nebraska sued my wife and I. And finally, they cleared us. And after they cleared us, the judge said, don't come to court anymore. You don't, we, we don't need you. Now she's a ward of the state. But I kept showing up in court. I would sit at the back. And the judge finally one day called me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, judge, you don't understand. <laughs> she is an assignment from God. She is an assignment. I can't leave her. Even when she rebelled, I kept in touch with her. Today, I'm still in touch with her. Now, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to bring her to my house. I mean physical house. Okay? If she comes to Omaha, I will take her to a restaurant and we will talk. I will rent her a house, but not in my house. Not yet. But the love of God runs after you even when you don't deserve it. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? Love forgives. Those of you who have diary, their diary, 1968, my husband, my husband rolled off from bed. He did not kiss me. Eh, their diary, this woman you gave me, Bible says, it does not keep record of wrong. The most popular portion of, of the attribute of love is the one that we read on our wedding day. First Corinthians 13. Uh, everybody knows it. Verses 4 to 8. Everybody read it on their, on their wedding day. Love, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. You see, those things are attributes. Those are things you do. Anybody who has been married for one day knows that love is patient. <laughs> eh? If you are married for one day, you know that love is patient. Eh? When she does something to you, you start to sing. Instead of speaking in French, you know, we know what I mean. Eh? Praise the Lord. Oh, sing, go, sing, go. Just not to answer back. Eh? I, in the early days of my marriage, when my wife gets on my nerves, you know, somebody had taught me to always sing instead of replying. And I used to sing, oh, single, single. But then, uh, Sissy Winer, I don't know if it's Sissy Winer, one of the Winers came up with the song, Comforter, that's who you are to me. <laughs> eh? I started to sing that one, like, okay, Comforter. Love forgives. Love forgives. Love does not look at the person that is offending you. Love looks at the God that is asking you to love. You are commanded to love your spouse unconditionally. Let me tell you a secret. Both you and your spouse have strength and weaknesses. Both of you. Both of you have nature that is good, natural things, and you have nature that is weak. 
Yesterday, or was it Friday, we talked about personality traits. Every personality trait has strength and weakness. People who are aggressive, they yell at you. And even when they yell at you, they don't agree that they are yelling because they will tell you that is their normal voice. <laughs> and then people who are passive, they will keep quiet. They won't say anything until everything scatter. And then they will say something. And at that point, nobody can change their mind again. So we all have strength and weakness, even from our family of origin. Those of us raised in church, we still have weaknesses. I shared with you yesterday, my weakness was pride. You know, I was very sure of who I am, and I didn't believe I had pride because poor people cannot be prideful. <laughs> At least that was my definition in those days. Eh? Now I know poor people are very, very prideful. <laughs> Well, at least my definition in those days was, what do I have? Now I understand what that means. By the way, pride is when you think you can run your life by yourself. Humility is when you say, God, help me. So pride is not saying, I am beautiful, I am handsome, I have a big car. I have No, no, no. No, no, no. Moses called himself the most... You know what Moses called himself in the Bible? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Numbers 12. Moses said, now Moses, the most humble man in the world. Moses, he can write down about, about himself. I'm not saying you should do that though. Because eh? people will look at you funny. <laughs> but that's what Moses did. But the same Moses, when God says, I'm going to create a new people... I will kill all of these people and create a new one with you. What did he say to God? Nah, I pass. No, God don't do anything. In fact, if you are not going with us, I'm not going because he understood that without God, he is nothing. So that's humility. How do you love? How do you love unconditionally? Number one, recognize Christ as Lord. When we give our life, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, Bible says, with your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess. When that happens, you, Christ becomes your Savior and your Lord, your Adonai. Unfortunately, many of us like him as Savior, but we don't like him as Lord. We struggle with Lordship. We struggle with dying to self. Galatians 2.20. For now, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. You are dead. You cannot love your spouse unconditionally until you die. Yeah, you should die. I know some of you are saying, I, I reject that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Okay, just so you relax, there are three types of death in the Bible. Just so you know, death does not mean final. There's nothing final about death. Spiritual death, which is separation from your spirit separated from God's spirit. Physical death, your spirit and soul separate from your body. Death to your sin nature. You are born with a sin nature, and the moment you accept Christ, Romans 6, it says, now you are no longer, you are dead to 
sin. You are no longer slaves of sin nature. You are now slaves of righteousness. That is the third death. Every one of us, for you to see Jesus as your Adonai, you have to die. That is why you have to learn a lot of songs. So when your spouse is getting on your nerves, you start to sing. Hallelujah. Eh, just so that you don't eh, say what your flesh wants to say. He says, it is no longer what I want, but what the Christ in me. The Christ in me. Then you are quick to forgive. You are quick to forgive. I was telling a brother yesterday that many of us today, you know, he asked a personal question. And I said, today, we all pursue success. For whatever reason, I think it's a lie of the devil. We all pursue success. But when you read the Bible, that's not what the Bible asks you to pursue. He asks you to pursue faithfulness. Be faithful in all you do. It's about faithfulness. What does faithfulness mean? Faithfulness is God has given me this assignment. To the best of my ability, I will do it. I just told you about my daughter. I fell for that because I decided what success will will be. Success will be Femi boasting that, wow, I took a girl that nobody wants. I took a girl that was born with cocaine. I took a girl that was, uh, uh, that has already diagnosis. And I panel beated her up and now she's gone to college. Now she's walking down the aisle. That was my definition of success. Meanwhile, God said what I called you to is Faithfulness. Everyday faithfulness. Let me define success. Let me define success. Your assignment is to be faithful every day. Your husband that is lost, God will bring him back. When you are faithful, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul said, you who are now saved, you are now a sanctified Sanctification. Sanctification means set apart for holiness, for hagios. Set apart for holiness. You are sanctified, you are set apart so that your unbelieving spouse will see your behavior and then come into the fold. But when you yourself, when you are not dead to your sin nature, when you are still struggling because you don't want to die, because if you die, you are going to look vulnerable. Your husband would think you are, uh, you are a M-U-M-U. <laughs> or your wife would think you don't know anything. One of the toughest things for me, 99, 98, 99, was when God took me through this journey of dying to myself. I wrote a book. It's not in print right now. It's called The Enemy Within. I went to God and I said, God, fix that woman. And God said, no, I'm fixing you. You. And we had to go through two years of God healing me, of fixing my lack of vulnerability, the fears I had. You know, before, my wife, the sink plate will be there, and I will complain and complain why she didn't wash it. In those two years, God said, go and wash it. The first year, I will wash it, and I would let her know, I don't know how many African men uh, that you know. 
after I wash it. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 you failed. You failed. So tomorrow, you wash it, and you don't say anything. Then the third day, you wash it, you, your mouth is still short, then you ask her if she wants massage. Ah! <laughs> by the time two years went by, and I was doing that on a consistent basis, I became vulnerable. I became vulnerable. And you know the thing that happened? After I changed in those two years, then she changed. It's amazing what happened. All the things that I have been yelling at, I've been saying, do and go and do, go and do. She started to change. One day I was washing the plate and she said, stop it. I'm like, ah, stop it what? She said, you make me feel. Uh... That was the day she broke. Two years. You have to study scripture in context. Because you don't know what God asks you to do if you don't study scripture. Don't take verse out of context. Study in context. Why did Jesus say this? Under what condition was this said? So that you know exactly what God says you should do. God says I should love this woman unconditionally. Okay, Holy Spirit, I already have you inside me. You're going to have to help a brother out. Because this woman gets on. Actually, not just my now, the last one. <laughs> eh? The last one. Same thing. Lord, this man, look at him. Look at him. Eh? Is this a man? <laughs> Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Choose to surrender. You die. When I was young, my grandmother had a song. I, I, we don't sing that song anymore. It's, it's a Yoruba song. So forgive me if I sing in Yoruba, I'll translate in English. It, 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 my, my grandmother used to say, Shugbon kombe la yemi, emi kofe la toni lo. Y'all know it, so let's stop. <laughs> okay. Basically, what that song says is, God, I, I ain't coming to you to fix him. I've come to you to fix me. There is a bot in my life that I need fixing. He might have like 10 bots, but fix my one. Fix my one. Please take responsibility for your one and let him heal you. Then you need to know those whom God wants you to love. Jesus said, when they asked Jesus, what is love? He summarized, he said, he's summarizing these two. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I'm, I'm hoping that your spouse includes your neighbor. I'm hoping that your boss that you don't like is your neighbor. I'm hoping that your neighbor whose dog come to poop on your lawn is your neighbor. I'm telling you everything that I have gone through. <laughs> the familiar we got what? Develop. Make sure your desire on a daily basis is to have intimacy with Jesus. Because that is where your strength comes from. Okay? If you are not having daily devotion, I am begging you to have it. 
That is where your strength comes from. If you can do it as a couple, fine. If, but I'm begging you as an individual, try and spend time. With, I'm not asking you to do one hour. I'm just asking you to let God's word that you read on a daily basis saturate your mind. Develop that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Learn to say, Holy Spirit, good morning. This is Femi. Help me today. Help me not to yell. Help me not to lag. Yeah, whatever, nag. Whatever it is for you. And choose, surrender. When you do, then you find that you start to apply. Application is not easy, but it is doable. It is doable when you choose to die to self. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, this weekend you have spoken to us. You have challenged us this morning that we should love unconditionally. That it is not so much about the other person, but us. So, Lord, this morning we all come before your throne room and we say, Lord... Heal the bot in my life. The bot in my life that is creating problem in my marriage. Adultery, nagging, lying, lack of trust. All the secrets that I am keeping. Lord, please heal me so that my home can be healed. Father, we thank you because you are a good God. Lord, you already started to heal homes and you will continue to heal homes in this assembly. Thank you, Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we rise? Jesus Christ told the disciples what it takes to have a successful marriage. And they told him if the case or the issues of marriage is this involving is better not to get married. And Jesus Christ said, that's true. But not everyone is given the grace. And Paul buttressing that point said, it is better not to marry. Be like me. But if you cannot Keep yourself. It's better to marry than to born. That is not to mess around. The issue of marriage is not as easy as we are taking it. Concerning marriage alone, he has written 14 books. Before I got married, as a young person, every marriage seminar... I attended 
Every book that talks about marriage talks about the act of sex. I read. Because I know what I was going into is a lifetime commitment. The reason? Because the author of marriage, the institution called marriage, is God himself. And he has an act enemy that hates God without repentance. And that's Satan. Like I told you, I will ask God, Kilo de God, what is the main reason? You and Satan, what is the reason? Because anything God is involved in, Satan wants to mess up. And that's where you need God. Divorce is not the result. It's not, I mean, we heard yesterday. It's not, it's not the answer. Because the devil hates you. The devil hates your marriage. But there is a God who has the final say in every situation. He's the almighty God. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He has not lost any battle. When he chooses to lose one, it's because he wants to win the war. And that's why I want to pray and I want to urge you as a married person, particularly when your marriage is on a rocking chair, especially when your marriage is shaky, especially when you know that your relationship between your spouse is like a roller coaster. Today is love in Tokyo. Tomorrow is love in pepper soup. We have a man of God in the house. He carries a unique anointing. He's not talking out of books. He went through whatsoever it is you are going through right now. He was on the verge of a divorce when God stepped in. You know what that means? If you need not the kind of prayer he just prayed because of time, you need God to interfere and intervene in your marriage. I want you to leave where you're standing. At least the altar is not as big, but just step out. You are telling God, I am stepping out by faith because I don't want to endure my marriage anymore. I want to enjoy it. Say, marriage is enjoyable. Marriage is supposed to be enjoyed and not to be endured. You are trusting God for a life partner. I believe before this year is over, God will settle everything. So as those that are saying, God, my marriage is shaky. And the Bible says, let him that think it is standing. Take it. So I know, Pastor, my marriage is a honeymoon, honeymoon, and honeymoon. Ah, that's the you need prayer the more. I mean, of us understand what I'm talking about. Pastor, please come. 
So we're going to move this thing away. You, you want God to help you in your marriage. Please come. I will you. Please, Pastor, come up here. You want God to help your marriage. You are trusting God for a life partner. You may not be in a verge of a divorce, but you are just saying, my marriage is not what it's supposed to be. Please come. There is nothing God cannot do. We know today is Thanksgiving service, but we want God to help our marriages. We want God to help our marriages. We are still struggling. We are still struggling. We are still struggling. Some of us, we are still in it because, not because of the children. Oh, it's because of the children. It shouldn't be because of the children. It should be because God has brought you together. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. You are not coming to Pastor Mewa or Pastor Awodel. You are coming to your Lord. The, in, the one who instituted marriage. You don't want to marry Jezebel. You don't want to marry a daughter of Jezebel. You want God to direct you. He knows where your spouse is. He knows where she is. He knows where he is. You want God to add flavor. As soon as I finish, I'm going to grab my wife. We are stepping forward. We'll be 34 years married this year. 34 years. Just a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Don't sing, please. I know today is Thanksgiving. I've not forgotten. And I know he has a flight to catch. I know. This year we will be 34 years married. Thank you. There is this friend of mine is at home. Called him some time ago. Married with six grown-up children. A man of God, a woman of God. Grown-up children. The last time I've heard of him, he's divorced. Divorced with six grown-up children, six. So that's why I'm going to come forward with my wife. I want to end this thing well. It's only those that end it well that do well. So let's commit our marriages when the home front is okay. Out, outside will be okay. The enemy still goes about like a running lion, seeking marriages to devolve. Sir, prayer, sir. I'm going down. Wait, let me get down first. Sir. Amen. Amen. As Pastor was speaking, what came to my mind was um, the story of I think it's Elisha and the general that was 
told to go wash in the, in the river. And he said, why would I go to your dirty river? I have better one in my, in my country. And his servant said, why don't you just do what you are told? And eventually, he was healed. But he resisted because he thought, I am too cute. I am too yuppy to go swim in your stinking river. God was speaking that to me as Pastor was speaking because many of us here, we are going through things, but we are thinking, I cannot go swim in that yucky river. Everybody think my marriage is cool, but nah, so I cannot do that. So I want to congratulate those of you who are here, those of you who have the boldness to step up because I believe today is the day of salvation. Amen. I want you, before I pray, I want you to pray. On your own, hold your spouse. If you have spouse, if not, uh, put your hand across your heart and trust God for your spouse. And tell God what you want him to do. Tell him what you want him to heal in your own heart. In your own heart. With your own mouth, you speak. You tell God, God, help me. I believe from this weekend or whatever, this is what I think. This is what I'm going through. I have a whole bunch of these things that I'm hiding and is eating me alive. God, this man or this woman or whatever it is, you tell God. God, I am naked before your throne room and I need help. I need help in this area. I know you ordained marriage. I know you gave grace so for divorce. But Lord, I would rather be in your perfect will than in your permissive will. So help me. If you need God to help you, ask him for strength. Ask him for strength. I went through that. For those of us who are 30-something, whatever, in marriage, like Pastor said, sometimes it is very easy to take each other for granted. Sometimes it is easy to say, I am married 30 years, and he will just take care of himself, and we take each other for granted. So ask God to give you the grace to make your marriage fun even after 40 years. The grace to still continue to seek God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that the earth and the heaven will pass away, but none of your word will come back void. Lord, today we stand on the written word, we stand on the spoken word, and we say, Lord, for your children here today. Lord, I pray healing. I pray peace over their home. Lord, as many as are dealing with anger issue, in the name that is above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord, I pray that, Lord, those anger issues will start to dissolve. Lord, for as many of them that need counseling, they need to humble themselves and go seek help. Lord, I pray that that pride will go away and they will go seek help. Lord, for those who are dealing with issues of the past, for those whose life experiences is what is causing hindrance in their home, emotional hindrance, psychological hindrance, Lord, I pray peace. I pray healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I pray for those young ones who think I am this age, I have not found somebody. 
in the name that is above all names. Like pastor said, Lord, I have seen you do amazing things. You have fed with the birds bringing food. So, Lord, today we pray for those children of ours today. That, Lord, from the east, from the west, Lord, you will provide for them in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those of us who are taking our home for granted. For those of us who think, well, we're married this long, the marriage will work itself out. Lord, I pray repentance. In the name of Jesus, I pray repentance. Lord, give us the grace. Lord, for as many who are not dead to themselves, who still wants to do things, who wants to argue with you and say, Lord, I can take care of everything, but I can take care of this man myself. Or you take care of everything, I'll take care of this woman myself. Lord, I pray today that they yield everything to you. Lord, I pray that today will be the day they will say, Lord, I yield everything to you. I commit my wife to you. I commit my husband to you. And Lord, today start to walk in me. Let the work of transformation, let it begin with me. Father, we thank you. Father, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you because you first loved us. And we know that your love is forever and ever and ever. Thank you for your children. Thank you for healing in God's embassy. Thank you for the grace that has been released this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.